there is a meaning and there's a purpose for everything. For every child of God, there's a meaning and a purpose. There's a God's will. But a human response always is to say, why, I'm mad at God. I don't know why, how did this happen? What If we fought the world and questioned everything and- Turned our back on God. Turned our back on God and got mad at Him, that was gonna do some serious damage to our future. I felt that. I think the thing that we did was we ran to Him. Yeah. And He's just carried us for these last two years. He's just carried us. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Perhaps the biggest thing that contributes to having a happy and fulfilling life is faith. Our guests this week can attest to that. Even though they're talented, attained fame, and are adored by millions, they each say the only thing that has gotten them through their life, brought them where they are today, and continues to sustain them is their faith. Are you having trouble living in faith? Has your past been difficult and you're struggling to see where God has shown up for you? Even though it may seem impossible, you can still live in faith. You can take that first step by just talking to God. Tell Him your hopes, your fears, your disappointments. And as you develop that relationship with Him, you won't be afraid to dream bigger dreams, to imagine that your life can be better, to believe that any sadness that envelops you now can be replaced by peace one day. When we believe things can be better and that God will fulfill His purpose in our lives, we begin to develop a faith that is unstoppable and will carry us through every challenging season. Here to share more about what it means to have an unstoppable faith is country singer Granger Smith and his wife Amber, and singer, songwriter, and author Chiquis Rivera. Let's start with Granger and Amber's story of how they clung to their faith when they faced the hardest thing any parent can face, the loss of a child. Faith was a big part of my upbringing. In fact, my mom always says that she read the entire New Testament to me when I was nursing. And she loves to repeat that story. And, and, and you know, we, we were a church-going family. And a lot of times, begrudgingly, put on the, the nice clothes, me and the, and the brothers, you know, all dirty, going to, going to church and squirming around in the pew and dad squeezing our wrist and trying to tell us to stop making noises. You know, that was, it was always uh, a big focus. I got baptized when I was in confirmation class, 12 years old in the Methodist church. And it was, it was a big part of, of my upbringing and who we were, and my parents were just rocks in that aspect. You know, as I left, left the nest, left the family, you, you go on and you, see, you start seeing the world and you start learning things and you start reading books that kind of contradict what you thought you knew that the scriptures told you. And then you, you meet worldly people and you meet people outside of the faith and and you think oh there's you know there's a whole new world out there and as i you know went to nashville and start hanging around with all these musicians i would drift and it probably wasn't until we started having kids and we got married that we realized that maybe we should reel this in a little bit and revisit god i grew up going to an episcopal church with my mom, I'd say after I was five years old, my parents got a divorce. After that, we just went sporadically. And I always tell people, I I went to church, I knew of God, I knew of Jesus, but I didn't have them in my heart. I had no idea that, that Jesus died for me and would forgive me of all my sins. I just, I wasn't told, you know, that he loved me and I was forgiven and so precious in his eyes. I was never, I was never told that. So I very much lost my way growing up through my teens and early twenties. 
I was lost. I was very lost. And like you said, you know, you get into the world and you have so many worldly things, worldly people pulling at you. And I just didn't know what I believed anymore. And until, I think until Granger and I met, I, I would say when we got married and we took those vows before God, I always said I didn't think I was ever going to get married because I came from lots of divorce. And when I finally made that commitment before God, I think that is when my faith started to make a turn and, and it, it was gradual. And then as we started having babies, we started to read, you know, devotionals or read the Bible or, or pray together. When you hold little humans, you know, and, and you realize that they depend on you for so much and you look into their eyes and you see the reflection of you and you see your genetics, you see their eyebrows that kind of look like yours and cheekbones that look like hers. And it's just such a miracle that it's just God is undeniable in a baby. And the more and more you hold that baby and you realize the responsibility you have, then I would realize my responsibility now is to show them the foundation that I had when, when I was growing up. I feel like we were in a really good place. Really good. Really good place. Yeah. We were living in our, quote, dream home, if you can say that. Uh, Granger's career was, was booming. You know, the kids were, were happy. We were really, really digging into our faith. Reading in the mornings, you know, we, we were devoting time. We were praying together. I just feel like we were doing everything. It just felt right. It just felt like we were in the right space. And then that's when tragedy happens, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times for a lot of people. A lot of that day, I don't remember. Granger had to remind me of some of it after after the fact, I think just shock of everything. I remember looking at River get, and I got him out of his, his high chair and I remember thinking, he needs to go to bed. You need to put him to bed. But it was such a beautiful day outside. We had the doors open. My daughter wanted to take uh, Granger outside to tell her my secret, I think, out there, but the boys wanted to follow. Um, it, it had been a stressful day for me, which he reminded me of, and I went to go take a shower. So I got River down, let them go outside, and at one point, Granger called me, maybe it was before I got in the shower and said, can you take the boys inside? And I was like, I need a minute. I need to just go take a shower. And I didn't, I didn't do it. And then the next thing I remember was I had just gotten out of the shower and sat on the bed and I heard my daughter scream. And we had the doors open and our room was a little bit back in the house. So all I could hear was river and pool. And so my mind, I'm thinking, he's still in the water. I'm going to run out. I don't know how we got to the gate, but I'm going to run out. I'm going to grab him. He's going to be fine. And as I was running, I remember, I think I yelled, where's daddy? But as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I looked and I saw a Granger and he was already doing CPR on River. You know, I, I just, I, I pulled him out and that Amber came out um, shortly after I told London. We ran together, my daughter, and, and told her to run and go get our phones. We didn't have phones or anything on us. So Amber had to go back in and search for a phone uh, to call 911. So we took turns um, doing CPR for about 10 minutes before the ambulance got there. We were trying to get the kids away. Ambulance arrived, they got his heartbeat back. So we were, we were excited, we were hopeful. We thought, oh my gosh, this is just a scare. He's gonna be fine. So we, we rushed into the car, went to the hospital, and then we spent the, the next three days there at the hospital. And at that point, we were thinking more along the lines of, how did this happen? Where, how did he get in the gate? Where, man, we really dodged a bullet. That's that was what we were thinking. He would make little movements, little twitches, you know, and I remember our doctor, our nurse telling us any movement is good. So we were hopeful, you know, little movements and 
we realized later those were the start of seizures that we didn't know. And we did a lot of praying. And I think it was 12 hours later that the doctor came in and said, I'm so sorry. There's, there's no brain activity at all. There's zero chance of recovery. And we were just... And we said, we want a second opinion. We want a second opinion. And a third opinion. And so uh, we asked for a second opinion and then a third. And we had three different neurology teams that were monitoring him for those two days. And every time they would came in and just said, I'm so sorry, there's zero chance. A lot of people were texting during this time. But I remember one specific that, that sticks out to me. And, and he said, don't unplug those machines. Don't listen to these doctors. The Lord will heal this child if you finally get all man's hands out of it and let humans get, get out of there. It'll give God his opportunity to perform this miracle and he will bring this child back. Don't listen to anyone else. Just pray and trust. And I just overwhelmingly felt that's wrong. That's not what the Holy Spirit's telling me right now. Not that he can't. Not that he can't. Not that he wouldn't. But that wasn't my story. And it wasn't River's story. And the only way I could explain that is the, the peace that came over me. And I just said, no, that's not my prayer. My prayer is not heal this child no matter what. I wanted it to be desperately. But that's not what came out of my mouth. My prayer was, God, help me make the right decision in this moment right now. For my family, help me put one foot in front of the other to fulfill your purpose to manifest your promise to me right now and to this family. I need to know, I need strength just to, to take one breath and put one foot in front of the other and I'll follow your lead because I'm not in control here. For some reason, when I sat on the edge of that bed, I, I was able to, to whisper to River, if you can fight, come back to us. But if you can't, I can give you back. And I would have never said that yeah. without the faith that we had been developing. And then God placed on me to donate River's organs. I would have never said that if we hadn't have been growing in our faith. So it is that peace that surpasses all understanding. And like we said, God, it's not that he can't perform miracles, but that wasn't our story. And we had to surrender and just listen to what the Spirit was telling us and be strong for each other and for our children. And that, that's what we did. We both have expressed to each other this, this peace that we had that day. Yeah. That in hindsight, if it wasn't for that peace, we, we couldn't have made any, any kind of these decisions. I think the thing that we did was we ran to him. Yeah. We just ran to him and he's just carried us for these last two years. He's just carried us and, and you know, we've done a lot of growing and a lot of healing in these two years. But if you believe like we do that God is sovereign, then River had three years on this earth and all of our days are numbered and we have to surrender to that and accept that and then just do the next best thing to try to move forward to still continue to grow our faith. When we lost Riv, had this vision of, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, we're gonna get to see them, we're gonna get to hold them. And while that's still true, it shifted. And I just wanna like fall at Jesus' feet 
it's not so much about our family anymore. It's just about praising Him. To keep up with Granger and Amber and see how God continues to work in their lives, follow them on their social media pages. We'll be right back with Chiki's Rivera story right after this brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Many of us want to develop a deeper prayer life. In this new 365-day devotional, Jesus Listens, Sarah Young offers daily prayers based on Scripture that will help you experience how intentional prayer can connect you to God and change your heart. Learn more about Jesus Listens and download a free sample at jesuscalling.com slash jesuslistens. Chiki's Rivera is a Grammy-winning recording artist, a New York Times best-selling author, and the host of a successful reality TV show. Amidst the accolades and achievements, Chiki's has had to work through the trauma of being sexually abused as a child by her father. Her complex relationship with her mother, Jenny Rivera, and the toll that being a popular celebrity has taken on her home life. She shares how her faith is the one constant that has kept her going through it all. So I'm the eldest of five. It's three sisters, two brothers, and I always grew up with that pressure of being the eldest. And I would always ask my mom, mom, like, why am I the oldest? Like, why do I have to be so responsible? Like, she's always embedded in me that I had to be an example to my siblings, that I had to lead them, keep them together, and always felt this pressure. And she would always say, well, I don't know. God chose you for a reason. You have to ask him, talk to him, talk to God. My mom always had her Bible on her desk and she would write notes and always wanting to be a better version of herself. So I always saw and heard of God in my home since I was little. 
And it was a thing going to church on Sundays. And after we would go to church on Sundays, we'd go to McDonald's and buy, you know, the, the back then the, the cheeseburgers were 39 cents. So that would be our after church meal for the rest of the day. So we have very beautiful memories with that, you know. So the relationship with my mom, Jenny Rivera, was a beautiful relationship. And like every relationship, we had our ups and downs. I think that what played a huge role was that my mom and I were only 15 years apart. She had me two weeks before her 16th birthday. She wasn't ready for me, but she made herself ready. She was just so focused in her education and wanting to finish high school. And she had so many plans for her life. So I think that and the pressure of just living and going to school and working at the same time was a lot. So we had a complicated relationship now I understand. Now I'm like, wow, this is why I've waited so long to have children of my own. Not only because I helped my mom raise my siblings, but also because I wanted to heal and mend that relationship between my mom and I. My mom didn't start getting like really famous until I was a little older. I want to say like I was in my 20s, but she started singing since I was, I don't know, 10. I was 10, yeah, like 10, 12. And I was her fan from day one. I remember going to school and I had like those, a binder and it was like where you have that little plastic in the front. So you just put, I used to put my mom's picture there and I would tell people at school, all the kids at school, I'd be like, my mom's going to be famous one day. And they would laugh at me and make fun of me. And I had so much faith in her from the very beginning. It had its beautiful things, uh, being the daughter of, of a famous woman. And it obviously had not so beautiful things, you know, because she was the motor of our, of our family. You know, she was mother and, and father at, at, at home. She was a breadwinner, so I became the second mother for my siblings, and I helped her. I was her assistant, so things just took a turn, just the way, you know, life is. Sometimes unexpected things always happen. So she had to go out and travel and you know, just work. And sometimes she wasn't there for holidays. She wasn't there for birthdays, you know, and I know growing up that was difficult for us. I think it was just, I was very hard on my mom. And now I can admit that. Like I was, I always felt like sometimes I had to be her mom, you know, because we were so close in age that I had no other choice, but to grow up fast and mature fast and do things that you know, 15, 16 year old girl shouldn't be doing like staying home instead of hanging out and going to the movies. I had to stay home with my siblings while sometimes she went out with her friends and I, I just, I'd kind of get frustrated and I resented her for a little, a little bit for that. And I think her too, like I felt like the mother. And sometimes when she would step in and try to be the mother, I wouldn't be okay with that. So it was like this, this thing, you know, like it was like a push and shove at the end of the day, you know, I knew she was mom and whatever she said went but I felt so territorial over our home, over my siblings, because that's all I knew. And I had so much responsibility. But now that she's gone, I understand her now more than ever. And I tell her every now and then, mom, I'm sorry. Like now I get it. I understand. Like you had to travel, you had to do this. I was the person that you leaned on the most. And sometimes because I was so close to her in some way, I was sort of like a punching bag. But now I get it, now I understand. And you know, I think my mom had a lot to do with, with the fact that I never felt sorry for myself when we went through the whole thing with the sexual assault, sexual abuse with my dad. I thank her so much for not questioning me. She believed me as soon as I told her. Now, I think when we're in a situation, because yes, I've gone through divorce and I lost my mom twice, I always say this. She, she passed in December of 
2012, but I, she, we stopped talking that October of 2012. She completely shut me out of her life. And that was a very difficult moment for me because I had literally put my life on hold and all my dreams to make her dreams come true, to help her with my siblings. And I was happy there. I really thought that I was going to be there for the rest of my life. Helping her, I felt that I was born to be there for my mom. I was okay with being in her shadow, being behind the scenes. So when all these things happen in my life, of course, it, it, it drops me to my knees. And I always say like when life drops you on your knees, you're already there, you might as well pray. And that's what I've always done throughout the, in those moments. I always keep my eyesight focused at the light at the end of the tunnel, like my faith. And it's just like, okay, wait a second. Like everything's going to be okay. I breathe through it. There are moments when I'm like, oh no, I don't think I can do this. But for me, it's just in those moments where you are in a dark place, because we all go through it. It's really just being intentional and knowing that everything will be okay. It will. And just keep your eyesight focused at the light at the end of the tunnel. It's easier said than done, guys. It definitely is. I, I know that firsthand. But everything that we go through teaches us something. And that's where, you know, like they say, it's like the rainbow after the storm. Like that's what we have to look forward to, the rainbow, you know? It's real. People ask me, Cheekies, what's your secret? Like, what what is your formula to success? And I share it all the time, every single day, as much as I can on my social media. And it's literally my faith. I explain everything that has happened in the last six years. I talk about my divorce. I talk about a lot of things that have been said, you know, in the media, a lot of things that aren't true, a lot of things that are true, but now I am explaining it in my own words at my time. For me, I I have a huge responsibility with the platform God has given me, and I'm very well aware that everything I have is because of God, because of His grace. And I keep that in mind. It helps humble me and keep me grounded every single day. And for me, truth over fame is, is everything. It's always checking in with my heart, keeping myself accountable and asking myself, is my heart in the right place? Before I speak, before I say anything, I check myself because sometimes being in this, in this limelight, being in the eye of the media, of, you know, of everyone really, it can really take you into a dark place if you allow it. So I always have to make sure that I'm speaking my truth. And I have this other phrase that I always use what comes from the heart reaches the heart. So I try to always just not have anything planned, just literally speak from my heart and speak from experience and always remember that everything that I have can be taken away and always glorify God in everything that I do. I've That's my promise to Him when I won my Latin Grammy. I woke up that day and I said, God, if I win this Grammy, I promise to say your name amongst all these people that are watching because I would not be here if it wasn't for you. So to me, that is so important in everything that I do, God has mentioned, because in reality, with everything that I faced in my life, if it wasn't for my faith, I, I just would not be here. There's just no way. What makes me unstoppable? And it's, it's really no secret. <laughs> it, it is my faith. It definitely is. You know, when I feel closest to God, it's those days when I wake up and I make Him a priority. 
which means not look at my emails or my text message or Instagram before I speak to him in the morning. That makes the biggest difference for me. When I do that, I feel like my day just is so goes so much smoother. And when I don't try to fit God into my schedule, everything else goes around him, around my faith. And it's something that I think has helped me. I have this most of the time, unshakable faith where it's like, okay, no matter what I know, everything is going to be okay. And it may sound cliche, but everything does happen for a reason. And God does have a perfect plan. And I tell myself that throughout the day or when I'm going through hardships, like I always tell myself, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. It's only a moment. Something good is coming out of this. And there are days when my faith isn't as high, you know, but I, I'm very intentional about having that connection every single day, doing my best to have that connection because doing what I do, being in the limelight, sometimes the pressure of the media, of the followers, and, and it's just, you're so exposed. I've, I've exposed my life that the opinions and the critics, they, they sometimes get to you. You know what I mean? So for me, it's super important that God is first and comes first in my life so that I can sustain everything that life throws at me because life is just, it goes, it's up and down. Honestly, it's a roller coaster of emotions and sometimes you're good and, and sometimes you're not. And that's just, I've learned that that's just a part of life and it's a part of our evolution. And if we're not changing, then there's something wrong. You know, we have to change. I, I think it's, it's very, I mean, for me, it is, like I said, very important to, to, to have that connection on a daily basis. This is Jesus Calling, and this is a passage from December 21st. My plan for your life is unfolding before you. Sometimes the road you are traveling seems blocked, or it opens up so painfully slow that you must hold yourself back. Then when the time is right, the way before you suddenly clears, through no effort of your own. What you have longed for and worked for, I present to you freely as a pure gift. You feel awed by the ease with which I operate in the world, and you glimpse my power and glory. Do not fear your weakness, for it is a stage on which my power and glory perform most brilliantly. As you preserve along the path I have prepared for you, depending on my strength to sustain you, expect to see miracles, and you will. Miracles are not always visible to the naked eye, but those who live by faith can see them clearly. Living by faith rather than sight enables you to see my glory. As I was reading that passage, it reminded me of something that I read a long time ago, that faith is, it's not something that you can touch or you see or you smell, it's just something that you know. That you know because you know that God has you, God has your back. And that has been literally my motto. That it's like, okay, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but I have faith. I have faith that everything is gonna turn out the way that it needs to turn out, that God is helping me work everything in my favor. And that's what I love about this passage because it's like, yes, we all are gonna go through hardships and moments that, like I said, we fall to our knees. It's in those moments that we really get to know God and that we really have that opportunity to get close to Him. It's those moments that faith really kicks in and it makes all the difference in the world. You can find Chiquis Rivera's latest book, Unstoppable, wherever books are sold.
Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we hear from Linda Davis and Lang Scott, American country music singers whose love for each other and God has created blessings beyond their imaginations. Lang shares how he believes God orchestrated a plan for their lives even as they were struggling through their music careers. As we get older, and you will find this out, you know, you can, it's, it's way easier to look back and see where God placed people in your lives. I, I refer to those as critical crossroads in your life, you know, and, and you can look back after, you know, a few decades and you can identify those pretty, pretty easily. So, you know, for me, I, I met the gentleman that was the judge at that talent contest. And had I not met him, I would not have come to Nashville. I would have not have met my wife, my soulmate through life. And, you know, we would not have had our children and there wouldn't be a Lady A and there, you know, there wouldn't be a, a Riley Jean that is, you know, still going to go out and set the world on fire, who is our youngest daughter. So, yeah, to look back and be able to identify and you know that it's God orchestrating your life. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.